Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 238 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are joining you this fine Thursday morning for the midweek pod. We're going to have a little bit of a conversation with a, uh, a Duke basketball player on, on today's episode, so you got that to look forward to. But before we get to that, time for introductions, time to tell you who you're talking to. I am Jason Evans, your host. I am joined, as I always am, by my two buddies, Donald Wine. How's it going, Donald? Uh, we as, as we are recording on Thursday morning, um, October the 8th, I'm really tired. I didn't sleep well last night. There's a lot going on, but I, I'm, I'm up and I'm ready to talk basketball. I like it. I like it. And Sam Klein. Sam, how did you sleep last night? Like a baby, I hope. I, I slept pretty well. I did wake up kind of early this morning, but I felt I felt sort of empowered. I went for a little walk. I took some notes for this podcast, and I am ready to talk a little bit. I also, we, we are now presumably 50% of the way through the full set of presidential and vice presidential debates, and I haven't watched a single second of them yet. So I feel like I'm in great health um, relative to the rest of the country. See, great, I've watched 100% of them. I've watched 100% of them. So I, I, the look, two of us, hopefully Jason's not, watched 50% so we can... I'm not telling you... I'm not telling you that I am that I am fully there with my mental health. There are a lot of other factors in my life, but on that one aspect, I'm doing great. Uh, I I have also watched 100% of them. As as a lot of people know, I I work at CNN, and uh, watching the debates is a requirement of the job, and also something that I kind of enjoy, maybe a little bit. But we've said it before: we are not here. We are not a politics podcast. We are not here to talk. <laughs> politics or the debates or flies landing on heads or anything crazy like that. We're here to talk about basketball, Duke hoops specifically. And uh, our talk this week is going to begin with a Duke player who held a news conference. Um, He sat down in front of a uh, Zoom camera and a bunch of reporters joined him. I was lucky enough to be one of those reporters. That player, of course, was Joey Baker. Um, I will will tell folks right up front, not a ton of news from Joey. he is a junior in the Duke program, and I think he has mastered the fine art of listening to the question and giving you a very generic kind of answer that doesn't reveal too much because he knows the bottom line is even though we want to talk to these guys, they, they're not really supposed to give away too much about what's going on with the program. Um, Coach K has his cone of silence, as we refer to it, and, and he keeps it uh, pretty nicely, firmly in place on his players. But... We did get a chance to hear a little bit from Joey um, in the interview that you're about to hear. Um, I ask a couple questions. You'll hear a question from uh, Jim Sumner uh, of the Duke Basketball Report, a, a fine reporter who has covered the program for a long, long time. And then you'll also hear from a few other folks. There were uh, about 16 to 20 reporters who were on the call. Um, uh, but have a listen. And then after you hear Joey's answers to our questions, we'll come back and we'll chat about it a little bit. But here is Joey Baker chatting with me and other reporters just uh, just a couple days ago. Joey, thanks a lot for joining us today and answering some of our questions. I think everybody wants to know, uh, you know, how practices, the five on five, the scrimmages and things like that are going. And I'd especially be interested in, you know, compare maybe the level of competition to what you've seen in past years. There are not a lot of guys in this team that are really experienced, so we want to hear from someone experienced like you. Absolutely. Uh, thank you guys for being here first off. Um, practice has been great. We have uh, a deep team, uh, obviously reloaded with a, a good freshman class. Um, 
And those guys have been great. They bring it every day. They have enthusiasm. They compete. And then you match that with our returning players, myself, Jay Gold, Wendell, Matt Hurt. Um, and it's, it's made for some awesome practices. Uh, really excited to, to be able to officially start practice um, pretty soon here, then get under or going under the season. And it'll, it'll be a good year with this group. And, and Joey, can I ask, um, what are your personal goals and, and how do you feel you've improved the most, you know, versus, versus last season? Personal goals and team goals as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the goal for us always here at Duke is to win a national championship. Um, so that's number one. And that's my number one personal goal as well. I feel like if we, if we all gear towards that, everything else will take care of itself. So, um, but a big thing is the older guy on the team now is just kind of showing the way for the younger guys a little bit, just stuff that I've learned as, as a younger kid over the past two years. So trying to help them out and make, making their life easier um, as they transition to, to play in this level. Hey, Joey, uh, so I'm going to ask you to be a little revealing here. Think about your teammates, the guys you've been playing, you know, with in practice in the five-on-fives. Who surprised you? You know, what, what are the moments that are that stick out in your mind where you're like, well, I didn't know this guy could do this or that or whatever it may be. But come on, really really tell us who's who's showing up to play uh, in, in practices so far. You know, I, I think all the guys have had moments where I kind of just took a second and was like, okay, this is – this isn't what you normally see from a freshman. They all have glimpses and they all bring their own thing to the table. Um, if you want one specific example, I think it was the first time we were playing fives. And um, I don't know who was driving, but they kind of just threw the ball up to the rim and Mark just dunked it like it was nothing. And I didn't, I didn't really realize how big um, and long he is around the rim. So that's, that's going to be valuable for us this year, I think. Uh, but like all the guys have had moments where they they really shined, um, and I think you guys will see that throughout the season. Coach K has always valued sort of versatile mid-sized position as players. Duke's got a lot of those guys on this team, including you. How does that play to your strengths? How do you see yourself fitting into a lineup with a bunch of guys like that? I think we're like you said, we're versatile. Um, we have a lot of different guys that can do a lot of different things. Um, and I think uh, one area that it, it really helps us is defensively. We have we have a lot of athletes that are six 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 seven six eight, and they're long. Um, so I think I think we'll be really good defensively, and um, it'll play to our advantage. Hey Joey, thanks so much for taking out the time for us this morning. Um, just from your perspective as a student athlete, as a collegiate basketball player, in a perfect world. How is this season going to play out considering all of the unknown we're dealing with and all of the factors that will have to be considered when it comes to Corona and, you know, bubble atmospheres and all that. What's the perfect atmosphere for you for this college football, college basketball season to be played? Any season that allows us to play. I mean, I know there's a ton of different variables that go into enabling us to have a season. And uh, the virus complicates that tremendously. Um, and so I, I honestly don't have a clear answer of what it'll look like, but I can, I can speak for myself and uh, I can speak for the rest of the team. As long as we have a, a season and we're able to play basketball, then we're happy. Um, obviously we'd love to have fans. We'd love to have you guys there. Um, and maybe that happens, I'm not sure. It's probably unlikely, but as long as we have basketball, um, I think we'll be happy.
We're hoping the same thing. Thanks a lot. Thank you. No problem. So, Joey, obviously in college basketball, having a, a crowd is, is a huge part of the game, whether you're loved or hated, or, you know, and it, it's a big part of the ebb and flow of the game. If there is uh, no crowd or a limited crowd, how do you think that's going to affect the way you guys are on the court? I mean, yeah, you, you said it. We, we feed off the Cameron crazies. If we're on a road game, we're typically in a pretty packed arena, and we feed off of the booze and all of that stuff. So um, being able to develop our own energy and enthusiasm among ourselves is a huge key for us this year. And um, honestly, this team, from what I've seen so far, they, we, we bring it every day. Um, everyone's excited to work. Everyone's excited to practice. And I'm sure when, when the time comes, when we're playing games, that'll only be amplified. So um, it's not the same and it's unfortunate, but I think, I think we'll make the best of the situation and, and, and we'll bring enthusiasm every night. We'll have a good time. Hi, Joey. Uh, thanks for your time. I know you guys are still getting to know each other and you're doing fives, but you had to talk about what we can expect the identity of this team to be. Um, can you give us some insight into that? I think, I think we're deep, we're versatile, um, and we're athletic. We'll get into teams and we'll play fast. I mean, we have we have a lot of really good players that bring different things to the table, and um, I think I think coach will let that be seen. Um, so it'll be a, it'll be a fun year. We'll have a lot of a lot of good games, uh, hopefully on the schedule. I know that's still in the works, and um, um, but I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for you guys to see the team. I think you guys will love it. So there was a lot of good stuff in there, and, and we love hearing from the players. Uh, Donald, I'll go to you first. You know, what did you hear in there? What, what are your big takeaways from Joey's conversation? So there are two things that stood out to me. The first was his comments about them not playing in front of fans, at least for the foreseeable future. I feel like that's going to be the biggest challenge for every single team in college basketball, not just us, because we obviously we have a wonderful home court advantage with Cameron and the Cameron crazies. It, it's, it's one of the reasons why we all are such big fans. We, we've been to, you know, hundreds of games in Cameron. We love that energy, bringing that energy on a nightly basis when there's no fans, there is going to be the biggest challenge that these guys will face this year, at least in the early part, because we have to match the intensity of the other team. The other team comes in with that mentality of we're going up against Duke. We have to bring it or they're going to crush us. They already walk in with that mentality. Now, when it comes to Cameron, they may fold under the pressure of being in Cameron, uh, but you may also figure out like, hey, you know, these Cameron crazies are going to kind of finally intimidate them. And that's not going to be present, at least for the first part of the season. So the guys are going to have to match that intensity. That's going to be their biggest challenge. So I'm glad that he brought that up uh, because hey, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you talked about that. I think I, I, I would love to hear us chat about that a little bit more right now because that to me, this is a huge issue uh, and a really compelling part of the season. And we sort of saw it in the NBA, uh, especially in the NBA playoffs. Home court advantage, not that it doesn't exist, but boy, it is lessened in a huge, huge way as a result of there not being any fans there. Um, and, and you're right. Joey said, look, we've got to do that internally. We've got to bring that energy on our own. But it, it, it's a completely different atmosphere. And uh, one of the things we saw in the NBA bubble was, you know, we used to think 
when when teams are playing when NBA teams are playing, you know, you're so much more favored to win at home than you are on the road. Um, do you? And in the NBA bubble, we saw that that was, of course, out the window because they're all playing on neutral floor with no fans. Do you guys think that it's going to be? Does does playing in Cameron itself without any fans still give Duke an advantage? I guess that's my question. I think it'll take us a couple of games to find out exactly what Cameron's new effect is without any people in it. But there's an aspect to this that I think is is underrated that we, or at least that we haven't talked about yet, but that comes up every year when Duke goes to play in the tournament, especially in big arenas where they will will put curtains over certain parts of the stadium. Like if they're, if they're playing in the sweet 16, but in a football stadium and they don't actually sell all those tickets, uh, the, the attendance is usually pretty light at, at those, at those opening round games. So there's, there's all these weird dynamics around playing in big empty stadiums. And the players talk about how the sight lines are different and all of that. Cameron is its own challenge for most ACC players because Cameron's a lot smaller than most of the other ACC arenas. So they come in for shoot around. They have to kind of get used to the to the lighting and the court setup in there. And now it's going to be a totally different setup. By the way, Duke is going to be practicing a lot in you know their their practice gym in in the K Center, which it probably has similar lighting to most other practice gyms. It's you know white walls, well lit, big big open space, but but obviously no bleachers. But when they practice in Cameron, that is not simulating what it's like to practice in some of these huge other ACC arenas. The Cameron is not doesn't look like the Dean Dome or the Yum Center or or the Carrier Dome or any of these huge kind of cavernous stadiums. So that actually might have a negative effect on Duke because they're not able to practice in, in a big arena like that. And you're going to see teams having perhaps these wild swings in performance based on the type of venue they're playing in. Are they playing in one of these bubbled up places that looks more like the NBA bubble where, you know, the, the walls are closed in, it's dark as opposed, you know, playing like in that, where did they, where did they play that tournament in the Bahamas where they played in the ballroom where the ceilings right, are really right. low? A that's a, that's a, right. That's a totally different setup than playing in a big empty, you know, let's say it's Madison Square Garden or or the the place in South Dakota. All of these things are all going to be are all going to be so different for teams, and I think you're going to hear them talking actually a lot about how the geometry and the lighting of the venues has a huge effect on maybe maybe not their performance, but their mental state. Well, the other thing about it is that on the flip side, on the positive, you can focus on the nuances of your home gym. Now, in hockey. Uh, one of the great arenas ever, uh, of course, I'm biased, but it's also true, uh, was Joe Louis Arena uh, when when the Detroit Red Wings were there. They had every nook and cranny. If you're a Red Wing, you had every nook and cranny of that building memorized. You knew exactly where to hit the puck, where if it bounced off the boards, it would bounce at a weird angle towards the goal instead of around the corner. They had all these things mapped out, and that's why they were able to build a team that says, hey, you know, I'm just going to you know, go toward this corner because I know that in other arenas it may go around the puck may go around the, the bank, but on this arena, it's going to bounce off wildly and go towards the goal. And I'm going to be right there to finish. They can memorize all these nooks and crannies. They know the sight lines in Cameron. They know which areas of the floor are kind of dead wood in, in every gym has one of those spots. That it's a dead spot. Uh, you know where those spots are. So, you know, not to dribble over there, you know, to stand there for a pop-up three. All of these things are going to be things that they can focus on because the element of adding fans is just not going to be there, at least initially. So I think this is going to be one of the biggest challenges that any team faces. And Sam, I think you're right. It's going to be interesting to see what the performance is for teams on the road versus at home, because I think at least in the first few games, 
it's always kind of a little weird, but it's going to be more poignant this time around, especially for those teams that weren't facing fans. Okay, so a nice little sidebar there about the, <laughs> the weirdness of, of having no fans, <laughs> and I'm glad we did it. And and I'm glad that Joey is aware of it and that the team is thinking about it because, as we've indicated, it's an issue. But let's get back to Joey's comments. Sam, it's your turn. Um, give me a little bit more uh, of what your takeaway was from the interview with Joey Baker. I liked your question about which guys have really performed well in practice and what, what he's seeing from the team. There were a couple little tidbits from that. So the first being that he specifically called out Mark Williams and his vertical and his play around the basket. We've talked about how there's going to be a lot of competition, particularly at center, because there are a lot of guys who are either new to the program in t- like or new to college basketball, Mark Williams, I think, being the most prominent of those, and then also new to the program in Patrick Tepe, who has had a long college career but hasn't played at the ACC level yet. So there's a lot of unknowns, I think, about who's going to be playing center for how long, how much the team is even really going to be using a player that you could call a center as opposed to having, you know, one of the one of the wings playing center. We even saw times in Joey Baker's two seasons where he was notionally playing center for this team. So it was cool to hear him shout out Mark Williams, because I think it might mean that that Williams is able to contribute 15 or 20 minutes a game and, and might be ready for that. Maybe he's not up to ACC speed yet. But if he has a few post moves and, and if he's able to to corral the ball around the rim, that could be a huge difference for Duke. And then also Joey pointing out the, the team's versatility. Coach K has long loved playing lots of big wings. You know, we, we've we've talked about how Coach K is, is one of the sort of inventors of positionless basketball, which is which has come into vogue so much in the last few years. And this team seems seems poised to do it in Baker depending on on how well his shots are falling and, and if he's quick enough on defense, he could he could be playing a lot of minutes this year in, in roles like that. Wendell Moore is, of course, going to be really important. And a lot of these young guys who are, who are coming in are also going to be key to that versatility. Lots of switching on defense, um, lots of ball movement, lots of guys being able to shoot. I think that's been a, a challenge for Duke the last couple of years is, is the shooting. So all of that can improve this year and with a, a bigger lineup than Duke had in this most recent season. You know, I, I think one of the final things I had, you know, two things we kind of got into a sidebar, which is which is really great. Uh, but tying into the team and related to what you were saying, I like how their uh, Joey said they want to play fast this year, uh, up tempo team. That's something that we've seen a little bit of from Duke in the past, but not a lot. We we usually very methodical in running an offense, or at least you know in transition. Our transition isn't super quick. I think the last time we had a super quick transition was when, you know, Zion and and, and RJ and, and Cam were here and we were able to run the floor. And we had, you know, three guys who could, you know, dunk you into another dimension. So having this, and, and I think it pairs up well when you have Stewart, you have Roach, you have Goldwire who can all run the floor very quickly. I think it's going to be great to see how that translates into an attack where you have guys who can shoot the three in transition. That's obviously very important. And also guys who can finish with authority. I mean, we have Jalen Johnson uh, is probably going to be and, and Jamie Brakefield are going to be two of the guys that are doing that. So I, I think when you see this team, I want to see more footage uh, of, of 5v5 where they're going fast because I want to see how that would work uh, with the guys that we have here. I think it could work pretty good. Yeah. And by the way, uh, I, I did off camera ask, asked Joey to to get the folks from Duke Blue Planet to give us more five-on-five footage. And Joey said he would do his best. Uh, the last takeaway I had from all of this, um, uh, there was a question that Joey answered um, that was asked by JB Sports Night. 
and JB asked him, you know, how's the season going to play out? And and you guys just heard it. I thought Joey's answer where he said, look, we'd love to have fans there. We just want to play. And and you could hear in his voice, you could see in his face that he was like, you know, he's not sure how the season's going to work. Uh, none of us are. But he said, we just want to have a chance to play. Um, and And I think all of us echo that. Boy, we would love to be there in Cameron. Um, we'd love for the fans to be around. But can we, we, really can we talk about that, for, can we talk about that yeah, for just go. a second? Like, yeah. uh, and this is not is, is no shade on Joey Baker or anything, but we've heard this comment twice in the last week. We've heard it from Joey Baker. We've heard it from Coach K about this. I hope we get to play. And that seems kind of concerning about, you know, I mean, three weeks ago, the NCAA were like, November 25th, we're starting the season. And I'm getting the sense that on October 13th, when they meet again, that this November 25th start date is not going to be the start date that we think it is, uh, because these guys are, are commenting as if they don't know when they're going to play. And I feel like at this point, they should know exactly when they're going to start, at least start playing. And so I think that is, uh, I don't know if it's con- you know overly concerning, but I do want to think that October 13th is going to be a very big day uh, next week when the NCAA meets again about college basketball, I think that's going to be an interesting day to kind of watch the news for because it sounds like something might come out of that that might push the season back a little bit more. I think we've stopped talking about it as regularly as we did over the summer that the schedule is really up in the air until the games happen. I've, you know, we've said that we've felt that way about all sports leagues and all kinds of events, not just college basketball. So Donald, I think you're right that that, that things could be moving around all the news you hear about scheduling is all the fact that there are lots of pieces. And so if you're going to play games in a couple months, you have to establish testing protocols and travel and, and flights and all the, all these different things have to be worked out well in advance because, because people just need to plan for that stuff. So they're going to make these plans, whether they come to fruition is, is based on a host of factors that we can't even really know until we get there. So any of these games are is liable to be canceled or moved around. You've seen the NFL have to move around games at the beginning of their season. Obviously in college basketball, they've had to move or in college football, rather they've had to move a ton of games around. So I would expect the, the same for basketball. So we can be excited about these games, but do not be 100% sure that any of them will get played. And the reality is they have to be more cautious because uh, if coronavirus gets involved in one of these teams, it's a much more difficult situation than it is with a football team. Uh, look, we, we, we saw when we just played Virginia Tech last week, they had 20 players out, but they were still able to play. You know, they had an entire position group. All their, all their backs were out. They were still able to play. Um, we, we saw in the, in the NFL, um, you know, what happened with, with New England when Cam Newton was out, they were still able to play. I, I think that is more difficult for basketball because – there's just not as many guys on the team. And, uh, you know, if you have one guy who tests positive and you go, okay, there are a couple guys who were really close to him and we need to hold those guys out as well, suddenly you've decimated a roster. Um, and, and I think, Donald, I, I hear you that, that there's uncertainty from these folks. I think the uncertainty is not that they think things are definitely going to be delayed. I think the uncertainty is just no one knows how things are going to play out as the weather gets colder and as we get closer. Um, you're right that October 13th date, what the NCAA says will be really important. But even if the NCAA says, yeah, go ahead, the plan is working, 
we're still not going to know until people actually start playing games the games are going to be played and even once games are played we don't know how things are going to finish yeah and and real quick i think this is a unique situation usually when sam was talking about how long it takes for games to be playing we're playing some of these games almost a year in advance some of these non-conference games are being planned years in advance and so all of these basketball departments all these athletic departments are trying to put together a full schedule or at least close to a full schedule in like a month and a half so i get that there's some strain over like dates and like how things are going so uh, again I, I point back to the incident of LA. the guidance needs to be there it doesn't seem like it is there and duke has said that on many occasions that the guidance has not been there to fully for them to fully go out and do things like schedule you know dates and stuff so hopefully next week we'll get some clearance or some some clarity over what's to come and i think we'll probably hear more about a full schedule being finalized and then we can work updates with there because like you said every, every day we're trying to go perfect and it only takes one team to not be perfect on one day to throw this all back in the wrench exactly so that that's going to wrap it up though for our conversation uh, about the the conversation that i had and some other reporters had with joey baker again thanks to joey thanks to the duke program for providing joey to us um we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to preview duke football's next game and we're going to talk about what may be the nicest man in the nba bubble All right, Duke fans, welcome back. It's time for us to move on to a less enjoyable topic, Duke football. The 0-4 Blue Devils will travel to Syracuse this week to play the Syracuse Orange. The uh, Orange are 1-2 and two on the season, a little bit better than, than the Blue Devils in terms of their record. Uh, you know, if you look at these two teams sort of across the board, they seem pretty similar, at least a little bit similar. And, and this is one of these games that you feel like if Duke's going to get in the win column, this is one of the ones where we got to get the win column, I think. Uh, uh, Sam, I'll go to you first. Give me give me some of what we should look forward to as we play Syracuse. Well, let me start by saying that I was looking up a few things about this game this morning and found that Duke is favored, at least, uh, and I, now I can't remember which service it was, but Duke is favored by a point and a half in this game. So something must be wrong with Syracuse because they they did win last week against Georgia or two weeks ago against Georgia Tech. I should also add that Syracuse continues the streak of Duke playing teams that are better rested than Duke is. Syracuse had a bye week this past week uh, after having a pretty nice win against Georgia Tech the week before where they forced Georgia Tech into a bunch of turnovers. That might sound familiar to you because the Blue Devils have also committed lots of turnovers this year. So perhaps Syracuse is looking to be aggressive, taking the ball away from Duke. But Duke is favored in this game for some reason. And the Blue Devils are looking to, you know, to, to snap this this winless streak to, to start the season. It's been it's been a rough go of it. Um, but there are a couple things that I wanted to highlight. The first is that Syracuse has had um, a number of of injuries and and eligibility problems, particularly on the offensive side. Uh, the offensive line had has has less depth than they expected to have this year. So perhaps Duke is going to be able to take advantage of that and be a little bit more aggressive on defense, um, getting to quarterback Tommy DeVito, trying to to limit the, the Syracuse offensive game plan. I think that's going to be important for Duke. And then 
obviously cutting down the turnovers. As I mentioned, Syracuse was able to capitalize on a bunch of turnovers against Georgia Tech a couple of weeks ago. They had interceptions, they had fumbles. All of that was was working in the Orange's favor. So again, hopefully Duke has has focused on on that a little bit more in practice this week. I am happy to see that that so far at least we don't have any reports of widespread corona outbreak among among the duke team which i was certainly concerned about especially after they played virginia tech last week and we know that you know the, the testing can can lag the actual infections but so far duke hasn't hasn't reported a number of outbreaks so so that's good to hear they will have one more game next week before they head into their to their long needed buy. Um, and next week they actually get to play a team in NC state that has also had a similarly grueling schedule, but I'm looking forward this week to seeing Duke try to put a few pieces together. Syracuse is not as good as, as some of Duke's recent opponents. So perhaps this is an opportunity for the blue devils to finally secure a victory this year. But before I go to Donald, I want to point out this Syracuse team is not a good offensive team. Um, and, this needs to be a game where the Duke defense dictates uh, a lot of what happens in the game. Uh, I mean, Syracuse, the, the, their 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 quarterbacks struggle to complete the ball, you know, even fifty percent of the time, and their running backs are are just not very effective. Syracuse doesn't get a lot of yards on the ground. Um, the, the you know the way that the way that Syracuse has been successful is turning the ball over from the other team, um, which you know which is not a great sign of how how good your offense is. So I I really I, I want to see Duke dominate them on defense as much as possible and, and force them into a lot of three and outs. And, and hopefully our offense can play better than it has lately. Donald, what's your, what's your uh, forecast for the game? Yeah, I, I think the, our defensive line, you know, guys, if you're listening, this is your game. Like this is your game to dominate because they can't pass the ball. Let's just be real. They, they average less than 50% completion They've only had 338 yards total passing in three games. This is your time. Your pass defense has got to show up the secondary. You got to make plays. This is the time that you guys can actually dictate the course of this game. And on offense, you know, last week we ran better. We took care of the football a little bit better. Uh, We're still not all the way there, but I want to see those improvements continue because if they do, I think Syracuse will have a long day uh, against us. And and I think that – Looking at a couple of their highlights from games that they've done already, those are the two things that stood out to me. Their passing offense is just absolutely abysmal. They don't find receivers. They they can't they, they don't run the routes and, and they're overthrowing guys. And as part of what they do, the run is really great. So if we can kind of make them pass, we're going to be in a better position to win this football. All right, guys, we're going to wrap things up with a little bit from the NBA bubble. And th- this is a, something that I wanted to mention to everybody out there really quick and, and get you guys to react to. And we can talk more about the bubble in the NBA finals if you guys want to. Uh, there was a story that came across the wire the other day that I, I just had to point out. Um, it, it's about Houston Rockets star Russell Westbrook. Um, after they were done with a couple months in the bubble and uh, Russ was getting ready to leave the Grand Floridian Hotel, uh, he left an $8,000 tip for the uh, hotel housekeepers who took care of his room. Now, it's worth noting, Russell Westbrook is sort of legendary around the NBA for being a neat freak. Uh, apparently, he doesn't need housekeepers at all. <laughs> like, he leaves his room spotless wherever he is. It's just sort of part of his personality. Uh, but he decided that um, these folks had done a, a really nice job of taking care of him 
while he was stuck in this hotel for for a couple months and he left uh, an eight thousand dollar tip which which i think is is really nice i mean look you can you can also go back and count the number of nights he was in the hotel and do like the per night kind of thing that some people do and 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 say that maybe it wasn't that super huge a tip um but but eight grand is still eight grand and and i think that's great and i i think it's the right kind of thing that that rush should do and i i wish we heard more stories about nba players uh, you know, showing their largesse to other folks in the bubble. I just wanted to shout out Russ and and tell him that I think it's a, a really great thing that he did. Jason, I'm glad that you brought that up because it was one, it's a cool story about Russell Westbrook and being a nice guy, but I think it also speaks to, you know, the Russ and maybe some of the other NBA players recognizing that in their discussion about, you know, equality and, and all the and all the various um social statements that they're making this summer and, and this fall that they're kind of putting their money literally where their mouths are and and trying to make things better for people who have it less fortunate because it's not just the NBA players who have been stuck in the bubble for months trying to entertain us while being away from their families. It's everybody involved down to the housekeeping staff. So very cool to see that that story from Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I wasn't surprised to hear about the charity from Russ Westbrook because that's as Jason, you mentioned, that's something that is that that reputation precedes him. Uh, so it was really cool to hear from that. And and honestly, a couple of things as we just you know, wrap up, I think, honestly, by the time some people hear us next, this bubble could be over. Uh, the, the Lakers are on the verge of winning uh, their 17th NBA title. And, and that could happen this, you know, this weekend at some point. But I will say that the bubble has been tremendous. I've watched every single game. Uh, I want to also give some shout out to the women, uh, the WNBA, who just completed the bubble. Uh, I watched almost every single game of that as well. Uh, basketball has really carried me over the la- these last few months, as I'm sure it has for you guys. Uh, but really, I just want to shout out both of them for c- completing or in, in the NBA, almost completing uh, at, or almost on the verge of completing successful bubbles where there are no cases inside them. Uh, no positive tests and really everyone was remaining safe. So I know it was probably difficult for them to endure that, but in the end it made for a successful basketball into the basketball season. And for the WNBA, it made for a successful full season. Uh, So congratulations to both of them. Congratulations to the Seattle storm for winning the WNBA championship and uh, congratulations to both the Lakers and the heat for giving us some wild entertainment over these last few months. You know, all of us have been excited and enjoying the bubble. And Donald, you're absolutely right. I haven't missed a game either. It's been some fabulous, fabulous basketball. There's been a real mental strain on these players. Uh, We're starting to hear more and more about it. I think, you know, at this point, there are only two teams left in the bubble. The bubble's gotten very small because all the other teams have, all the other players and and everybody associated with them have left. Uh, But it's, we're we're hearing more and more uh, that this was very difficult for the players. Uh, it, It was mentally taxing. Um, I, I think we're going to get more over coming weeks. Look, right now, there's still a lot of focus on the, the finals being played. LeBron going for a title with his third different team, which is truly remarkable. Um, and, and all the other stuff happening. By the way, Quinn Cook, about to, about to earn another ring, it looks like. But uh, putting that stuff aside, I think we're going to start to hear more and more about how this was challenging for the NBA. And, and I'm not sure the NBA is going to necessarily bubble up for next season. We've now seen baseball and football. I mean, they're having some problems, but they're getting games in. I, I strongly suspect NBA players are going to say, we don't really want to do that again. Um, and, and they're going to try and, and sort of do 
something that resembles a little bit more of a, of a regular, regular season. And that's why we've heard that the NBA regular season start date that was going to be around December 1st, and then they pushed it back to Christmas, is now going to be sometime in January. My guess, if if you know, if I were to put $2 on it right now, I think they're aiming for MLK weekend to start the season. That's usually a really big day for basketball. It's the second biggest day uh, of, of regular season games other than Christmas. So I think that is what they're probably going to aim for sometime around that weekend. But it sounds like the players just needed a break and they're, you know, there's 22 teams that were in the bubble and all of them were like, we, we can't do this for another six months. Give us some time to be with our families and have a break. And on top of that, for the NBA coming back, you've probably seen stories about how basically every sport is suffering from low ratings right now. And I think there are a lot of reasons that those could be going on, but the most important factor to me here is competition. They're all competing for the eyeballs, and it's pretty much only Donald Wine who has the bandwidth to watch all sports all day. Most people can't mm-hmm. handle that. So by January, February, a lot of these sports will have ended or, or be in their off seasons. The NFL will still be going on, but it's the you know it'll be the the playoffs at that point. College football should be over, but who knows what is going to happen with college football? So I don't think there's any rush to the NBA coming back. They have, I think, done all that they can do, and and hopefully we get to see them again in a few months. Yes, we can't wait till we see them again. Uh, but before then, I think we'll probably see a little bit of college basketball, and that is what we are really here for and what we're really looking forward to. So that's going to wrap it up for us here on episode number, whatever the episode number was. I forget. I've completely forgotten. Oh, 238. 238. Episode 238 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Sam and Donald, thanks for joining me. I am Jason. Folks, we'll be back again this weekend. Who knows what we'll be talking about, but uh, we'll be talking about it. And uh, we hope all of you will remember, like and subscribe. Send us uh, send us emails. We, we've had some more emails lately. We'll probably be getting to those pretty soon on the podcast. And uh, and put in your reviews. We want to read those reviews as well. That's another fun thing that, that uh, we will be reading back to you when you say nice things about us. We love it when you say nice things about us. Again, for Donald and Sam, I'm Jason. It is time now for the Duke Band to play us out and take us home. It's weird. The I, I feel like the basketball team is the Orange Men, but the football team is the Syracuse Orange. They got rid. Whatever. They dropped the, they Jason, dropped the men on all of them. They dropped the men on all of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Jason that. Evans. Jason yeah. Evans still old. And the women's team used to be the Lady Orange Men, and now they are the. Then they were the Lady Orange, and they are also no the Lady Orange Men. They were the Lady Orange when they first dropped the men. They were just the Lady Orange, and now they are just the Orange. Everyone's the Orange. What, what, when did they change this? Like, Years ago. Yeah, like late 90s, early 2000s. Jesus, really? <laughs> I want to say I might have been in school when they changed that. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. Jason Evans, forever old. <laughs> Look, man, this is what I grew up with. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. It was changed in 2004. <laughs> 2004 they were the orange men and orange women 
Oh, I am shamed.